I'm Sandra Smith. I'm Brett Baer. I'm Ainsley Earhart. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, March 18th, 2020. I'm Lisa Brady. Saving lives is the top priority. But the White House is also trying to speed relief to the U.S. economy being shaken by a pandemic. We've been through, uh, as a nation, many, many things over the decades and the centuries, and we always prevail. I'm Dave Anthony. Not everyone in self-quarantine has the coronavirus or fears they do. Some are staying put to prevent getting it. Like Fox's senior meteorologist Janice Dean, who has an underlying health condition. And I texted my husband and I said, I have chest pains and I'm worried. And he's like, you're anxious? And I think it's time for you to think about coming home for a while. And I'm Dr. Rebecca Grant. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The U.S. fight against COVID-19 is kicking into high gear. We have to fight that invisible uh, enemy that, uh, I guess, unknown, but we're getting to know it a lot better. At a briefing with his coronavirus task force Tuesday, President Trump urging cities and states and every American to follow the stricter social distancing guidelines announced this week for at least the next two weeks, emphasizing it's an effort to save lives. But as more retail stores, restaurants, theaters and other businesses close or curtail for now, he's also concerned about the health of the U.S. economy. We want to make sure Americans get money in their pockets quickly. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin helped negotiate a relief package that passed the U.S. House. Now he's working with lawmakers on a White House stimulus proposal that could be close to a trillion dollars. We want to make sure small business owners have access to funds. We want to make sure that hotels, airlines, we have an entire package. That's in addition to steps like delaying tax bills normally due on April 15th. And while the president is praising a newfound spirit of cooperation. The Republicans are getting along with Democrats and uh, a lot of good things are happening. An economic remedy has a long way to go. Big is good uh, because it's not only about the dollars and cents, it's about restoring confidence and making sure that Americans feel like the government has their back and they're worried about that. Mark Zandi is the chief economist for Moody's Analytics. So I think a big number of trillion dollars would be helpful and cash to households and and to small business would be very helpful because obviously people are not going to be able to work. Uh, Many live paycheck to paycheck. They don't get any help. They got a big problem very, very quickly. So those are good things to do. How much do you think that will help the overall economy and people who are living paycheck to paycheck? Because obviously at this point, we don't know what kind of individual amounts they're talking about. And we also don't know how long this pandemic could last. Well, to start, and it's only part of what the package should include, I mean, there should also be benefits for expanding out eligibility and the size of unemployment insurance so that, you know, people who can't get to work because of this get some help. Uh, it should include expanded food stamps uh, because you're going to have a lot of children and low-income households who just won't be able to pay for, for meals. Um, it should in- include uh, expanded assistance to small business people because they can't, uh, they don't have cash on hand and they don't have access to credit. So, you know, it's only the, the cash payments to households, I think, would be only one element 
of what they're receiving. And it may, this may not be the end of it. Uh, they, they, we may need more, and obviously that depends on the trajectory of the virus, you know, how widespread, how long it lasts, how virulent it is, you know, so forth and so on. So this may just be the beginning of the, the support that might be required. There's so many uh, ripple effects on all types of businesses and the economy at large that keep continuing to expand. Um, you know, as now we have the restaurant and and even the retail closures that are sort of expanding, you know, spreading around the country. The president keeps saying, eventually, when all of this starts to wane, when things start to get back to normal, he thinks the economy is going to come back maybe more quickly than anyone is envisioning just because of pent up demand. If we do this right, uh, our country and, and the world, frankly, but our country can be rolling again pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Is that a realistic assumption to be able to make? Maybe. It's a scenario, uh, but I suspect not. I mean, this is going to do damage, right? I mean, if it lasts for any length of time, small businesses are going to struggle to survive, and they come on the other side of this. Uh, it's going to take a while for them to get up and running again if, if they're still uh, in business. Uh, and people are going to be shell-shocked. And it also assumes, you know, something about the virus itself. I mean, do we really know, you know, what the nature of the virus is going to be six months, 12 months, 18 months from now? Because it's going to take that long under the best circumstances to get a vaccine. So, you know, maybe, uh, possibly, but I, if a prudent planner wouldn't count on it to be thinking about what they should be doing, you know, if that wasn't the case. I mean, the president has also acknowledged it could send us into a recession. Is well, no, we're in recession. There's no debate. There's zero debate about that. We are in deep recession. It's a, it's a sudden stop. And let's just, you know, make it clear that we are in recession and the policymakers, the administration, Congress need to act. There's no debate. Well, let's remind everybody the technical definition of a recession. Is it two quarters of contraction? No, it's a, 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 a broad-based uh, decline in economic activity, uh, and I think this qualifies as that. Now, you know, if it ended next month, you might not call this a recession. The, the group that sits down and determines whether this is a recession or not may say no, but that's not going to happen here. So uh, I, I don't think we should get caught up in the semantics. It's pretty clear. We're going to lose lots of jobs. Unemployment is going to rise very quickly. And the longer it takes for the administration to get it together and get to Congress and pass a piece of legislation, the higher unemployment is going to go. So just to be clear, even if at the end of the day, somehow it's not officially on the books called a recession, it's your it walks and talks and feels like one. And that's it for you. Yeah, everyone's going to know it. And, and the, the august group of economists that sit down and actually decide whether it's going to be a recession or not, I'm confident are going to decide this is a recession. So, you know, you know, it's, it's a semantic thing. And we're going to know this very, very soon. So no one's going to be debating this a week from now, certainly not two weeks from now. Uh, it, it is very clearly a, a recession. Based on the strength of the economy before all of this started, um, the Dow was almost, you know, it was approaching 30,000. Um, and a lot of economic indicators seem to be, you know, staying pretty strong. Based on the strength we had before this started, do you think maybe we could have one of the fastest comebacks from recession ever? 
No, and that, that narrative was wrong. I mean, the, the economy wasn't strong. It was okay, but, you know, the Federal Reserve cut interest rates three times last year. You don't cut interest rates in an economy that's strong. That's one that's actually struggling. I mean, the trade war did significant damage to the economy. It put manufacturing into recession. It put the farm agricultural sector in recession. It uh, hurt the energy sector. So the economy was was growing, but it was barely growing enough to keep unemployment low. So the economy was actually uh, in uh, – it was not in a great shape coming into this. It was on its back heels, and it, it probably would have had a problem if anything came along and gave it a shove. But obviously, this virus is more than just a shove. It's a you know, full-on body blows. There are some sources telling Fox Business senior correspondent Charlie Gasparino that liquidity in the bond market is worse than in the 2008 financial crisis. Can you explain that to people who may not understand liquidity in the bond market? Yeah, so, you know, think about it this way. You're a business and a big business, and um, just use this as an example. Uh, many big businesses, they borrow money. They go out into the bond market or the money markets, and they say, hey, I need money to fund payroll. I need money to keep the lights on. I need to pay money to pay rent. I need money to pay for the goods I'm going to buy that I'm going to sell to everybody else. So they need that cash. So they issue these IOUs, short-term IOU, and uh, that's very critical for their business operations. If that market for those IOUs dries up, that is there's not somebody on the other side who's willing to lend that company money to take that IOU, that's a lack of liquidity. And if, they, if, you, if, they, if that doesn't happen, if the business can't get that loan, then they can't make payroll, they can't you know, buy the goods they need, they can't uh, pay their rent. And that, is, that means the economy, uh, the, these businesses are going to come to a stop. Now, I, I, you know, I, we certainly have problems in the in the bond market and funding markets, but I'm not. I, I you know, lived the financial crisis very closely, and I, it still doesn't feel quite that bad. But obviously, that was cataclysmic, and so anything that comes close doesn't feel very good, and it, it doesn't feel very good right now. When you're talking about that kind of liquidity in a stimulus package like the White House is proposing, would you expect then, or would you want to see then? that particular thing addressed, or would it be more a case of, I mean, so far everyone seems to be steering clear of the word bailout, but it would be more a case of, here, you know, airline industry, here's $50 billion to help you stay afloat. I mean, how exactly does it work? Does it is it given to them to be earmarked for certain things, like addressing that liquidity issue, or how does stimulus like this work? Well, you know, I think what you would do here is you set up a, a big uh, investment fund, um, so, so to speak, you know, funded by the Treasury Department and uh, the Federal Reserve, and it would be a, you know a pot of money, and that money would be uh, lent out to uh, businesses and in, in industries, or more broadly throughout the economy, that are having trouble issuing those IOUs and raising cash. So the government basically becomes the person who buys that I that lends that money becomes the person who takes that IOU from from the business. So, you know, it's not free. The, the business would, who took the money would ultimately have to pay it back at, with some interest. And, um, you know, depending on 
circumstances, you know, uh, may the government even take a an ownership stake in the company, like they did in the case of the auto industry back in the financial crisis. So there's different ways you can structure it, but that's kind of sort of what they would set up here. And that that's not the sim- stimulus they're talking about in this $850 billion trillion package. That's something else that they need to do and, and, and that they're working on that's kind of separate from this, uh, but it's critical, obviously, to making sure that the economy hangs together. So something approaching a trillion dollars, if it's not even addressing that aspect of it, what is it addressing? What are the top priorities? Is it really oh, the small well, businesses and the cash payments? Well, there, there's two problems, two things we've got to solve immediately. One is cash, cash to households and cash particularly to small business because they have no cash, they have no cushion. That's the stimulus package that the administration and Congress have been talking about. The, the numbers keep rising. Let's say it's a trillion dollars because that's probably where we're going to land. The, the other aspect of it is liquidity, and that's what we just talked about. That's a separate uh, separate problem that's going on, but needs to be addressed immediately. But that's addressed in a different way, uh, in, a, in a separate way. And that's that we haven't been people aren't really focused on that in part because they don't understand it. It's more opaque. It's more complex. Checks I get, in, you know, or not paying my tax payment. Everyone gets that, so that's why we're talking about. It. But there's a whole other aspect of what's going on that is being addressed or needs to be addressed. And to some degree, the Fed's already addressing it, but uh, the government will also need to step in here uh, before it's too late. What would you say to people, probably a lot of them at home now, instead of going to work, um, so impacted by this all across the country and so many parts of our daily life affected? What would you say to people worried about the economy in general, worried about things well, ever getting back to normal? Look, you know, we've been through, uh, as a nation, many, many things over the decades and the centuries, and we always prevail. I mean, you know, we people don't realize, you know, I'm, I'm 60, year old, 60 years old, so I've been through a few things. Stuff happens, and every time it happens, you know, you, you think, oh, my gosh, this is the end of the world. But we come together, you know, we put the politics aside, and we just work together very quickly, and we come up with problems. And, and actually, it's ingenious what we come up with. We're, we're pretty good at it when times are you know scary and difficult, and we always prevail. So I have no doubt that's what we're going to do. Uh, you know, uh, and, and to, be, to be frank, we're, we're coming together pretty fast here, I think. Uh, you know, this feels faster to me than the financial crisis, maybe because this, the nature of this is so much different. I mean, it's a, it's a sudden stop. But I would tell people, look, uh, you know, we, we, we obviously this is a problem, but we're pretty good at solving problems. And as long as we, you know, do what we always do uh, and we've done since the beginning of time, we will be just fine. Mark Zandi, Chief Economist with Moody's Analytics. Thanks very much for your time. Sure, sure. Thanks for having me. This is Dr. Rebecca Grant with your Fox News commentary. Coming up. It's common sense in this growing pandemic. We could see a substantial reduction in the spread of the coronavirus. But as the president said, it will take all of us to do it. So if you feel sick, stay home. If someone in your house tests positive, keep the entire household home. Vice President Pence at Tuesday's task force briefing at the White House. As a whole, the risk of serious illness remains low, but we're asking every American to partner with us in this effort to slow the spread of the virus and especially to be mindful of seniors or others with serious underlying health conditions for whom the threat of the coronavirus 
can be very significant and very real. And to that end, the response coordinator, Dr. Deborah Burks, called out millennials and others who are less at risk. We're asking the younger generations to stop going out in public places to bars and restaurants and spreading asymptomatic virus onto countertops and knobs and grocery stores and grocery carts. Of course, many stores and restaurants and bars are now closed, but the point is they can unwittingly spread this to someone who cannot afford to get it. Someone with an underlying medical condition. Someone like Janice Dean, Fox's senior meteorologist, who's no longer going to work in the Fox building here in New York City, but taking time off to further protect herself. I decided to do that last Thursday. Um, And I have to tell you that I've been anxious for a while now. Um, you know, when I saw the, the news story developing and realizing this is a virus and I am more susceptible to viruses, um, I, you know, I really started to get anxious in terms of like feeling my, you know, my heart beating and right. my, you know, my breath, uh, you know, having a hard time breathing. And I texted my husband and I said, I have chest pains and I'm worried. And he's like, you're anxious and I think it's time for you to think about coming home for a while. Yeah. Um, let's back up. Let's left. back up a little bit, yes. Janice, because um, you have a disease that really affects your immune system, which makes you more at risk. Correct. Yes. So I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis back in 2005. Uh, and that is, uh, you know, uh, really my immune system is attacking my central nervous system. We don't know why. Uh, it is a chronic illness and I am on medication for it. And so people who have chronic illnesses are in the category of, you know, being susceptible to viruses like this one. So um, with any virus that goes around, we have to be more careful. Right. You always have uh, to get a flu vaccine, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's the first thing my MS doctor says to me every single visit, every single season, she check marks whether or not I got a flu vaccine because that that helps. Would you, you know, they're trying a potential vaccine. Would you want to be an experimental first patient of these kinds of things? You know, like anything else, I would check with my doctor. But if it if she gave me the okay to do something that might lead to the greater good of something, then absolutely I would do that. Right. Right. Obviously, you are wanting to also let people know who are in a similar situation as you that it is okay to take the prudent step. And what has Fox done for you as you asked, hey, I I don't want to go to the office anymore? I feel like I'm going to get upset telling you only because... In a good, uh, we were for a good in reason. A good, yeah. Okay. <laughs> for a, yes. No. No. I'm not getting upset because I'm worried. I get emotional because of the wonderful people that we work with and the wonderful bosses we have. Because this isn't the first time that I've had to go to them and ask them for a few weeks off potentially, and it's always been Janice. We know you're a hard worker. You're not someone that would just say, "Listen, I'm gonna you know hide out for a little bit." Um, you've proven your worth to us. So we know that you have a compromised immune system. Um, I've been very open with that, not only with my bosses, not only with colleagues, but, you know, to people at home who watch. Um, right away, it was like, whatever you need to do, you you do that. You, your priority is your health and your family. And the work, of course, is important, but that comes last. 
So I feel really fortunate. And listen, I also, um, I'm lucky that I'm doing a job that doesn't necessarily require me to be there every day. You know, doing the weather is an important service. And maybe if it was hurricane season, it would be a little bit more um, crucial. Um, but they were very supportive and basically said, whatever you need to do, we support you. Um, I also am married to a first responder. Mm -hmm. So that also comes into the equation. His job now is more important than what I'm doing. There are firefighters in New York City who have become positive in the coronavirus outbreak here. They are first responders. Your husband's potentially in contact with people who have the coronavirus. So what does he have to do in order for you guys to be safe Mm -hmm. and for you to be safe at home? So his job is also very understanding. For the last several years, he has worked at the counterterrorism center uh, in Queens, and he has sort of been working in the front lines of getting documents out to other fire departments about things like this. So his job right now is one of, um, you know, uh, uh, writing um, papers and and um, notes for fire departments across the country on how to handle something like this. This is a job that he's been doing for some time. So he has not been out in the field. Having said that, they have him working from home quite a bit now because they have to protect the health of a lot of these guys who aren't in the field that might have to go into the field to relieve some of these first responders that are getting sick. If one first responder, if one firefighter gets coronavirus, the whole firehouse basically has to be out uh, because of the concern of the spread. So I am, I've already said that he might have to go out there and replace some of these guys that are getting sick. If that happens, we've already talked about what we're going to do. He's gonna have to quarantine himself in probably the basement of our house. Mm -hmm. And we're not not gonna be able to see one another really. You know, uh, I I have two children. So these are things that our families are starting to discuss. Right now he's okay, he's at home and he's, we're all self quarantining right now but if he has to be called to replace one of the guys that has to be you know off the field for whatever reason um then you know we'll have to deal with that now while janice dean's taking time off during this outbreak she can spend some time writing in addition to being a meteorologist she's also an author and her book mostly sunny how i learned to keep smiling during the rainiest days that came out last year was a new york times bestseller now, Janice Dean has also written five children's books, all about one character, Freddy the Frogcaster. And his tales include a terrible tornado, a flash flood, a huge hurricane, and a big blizzard. So this is actually a good time for me uh, to work on some ideas for Freddy. I, I'm, I've already put it out there that I'd like to work on another book. Um, and then I'm also working on a, a book of... Uh, the the title is Make Your Own Sunshine, and it's almost a perfect book as we come out of this, um, talking about being kind to one another. Just everyday examples of how we can be kind to each other. Now, I know you're very outgoing. On Fox and Friends, every morning you're out there, you're wanting hugs from people, you're outside doing the <laughs> weather forecast. This has to be hard for you to not be with a lot of people. 
It's very difficult, Dave. It's funny because I was going to put that on Twitter the other day. Like, I I hate this. This is like, this is not me at all. I'm somebody that loves to hug people. I love being out talking to people and being with people. And this is like, this is really tough on me. So I'm trying to compensate for that by being someone who reaches out through social media and gives virtual hugs and gives, um, you know, uh, moments of, uh, you know, trying to bring people together or showing other people that people are doing great things in their community without, you know, um, spreading the virus. And I think that's maybe all of this is a greater purpose, Dave. Like, is this a reminder to all of us that once we get through this, we have to go back to the basics of connecting with each other, loving each other, hugging each other, talking to each other more, um, you know, helping the person in the grocery line. I don't know. Maybe this is a bigger thing than all of us know. Janistine, we wish you the best as you are on your uh, leave away during this coronavirus. We, uh, it was great to talk to you. Good luck, and we'll see you soon. Anytime, Dave. I've got all the time, so <laughs> you can call me whenever you want. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much, Janice. All right. Take care. You too. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to Everyone Talks to Liz. Fox Business Channel's Liz Clayman talks with entrepreneurs and executives about inspiring and motivational stories. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Rebecca Grant. What's on your mind? President Trump has teleconferenced with the G7 a longstanding group of prosperous democracies who are now fighting for the lives of their citizens and trying to triage the world economy. Call in London, Paris, Berlin, Ottawa, Rome, Washington, and Tokyo. The G7 is arguably the most powerful international group in the world today, sort of a board of directors for the world economy. It's informal, democratic, and capitalist, no communists invited. The G7 said they are committed to do whatever is necessary to assure a strong global response. And on Monday, the G7 leaders showed they can get serious fast as they race to flatten the curve of coronavirus cases. The good news is they are in it together. And after the teleconference, the U.S., Germany, France, and Canada all announced similar plans centered on keeping citizens at home for 15 days or more and closing borders where necessary. Canada has shut its borders to all non-citizens except Americans. And interesting, Canada's Justin Trudeau is already working from home at his Rideau cottage for 14 days because his wife has tested positive for COVID-19. The G7 started when the 1973 Arab oil embargo hit but they've never had a crisis like this. Their pledge to accelerate the response includes pooling virus data and working together on a vaccine. But they've also said beating back the virus alone isn't enough. They have to shore up the world economy. And they've offered a lot of financial steps to help the G7 and to help other nations. They've also reemphasized their democratic values and took a swipe at China, 
stressing the need for coordinated international action and real-time intelligence sharing on the virus. China failed early on both those counts, and the G7 leaders recognize it. The fact is the G7 is already staring at a changed world. The coronavirus pandemic marks the end of globalization as we've known it. It's clear China can't be trusted the way the G7 trusts other democracies. This is the end of the illusion of China's peaceful rise. But the economic issues go beyond China. The health crisis points out the perils of interdependence, open borders, and the fragilities in the international supply chain, where so much of each nation's gross domestic product now depends on trade. So over the next weeks and months, it's up to the G7 to put a floor under the world economy. They're already shouldering that burden, and it's a foundation that will forever be changed by the soul-searching now taking place in world capitals. What they want, a strong foundation to recover and get back to economic growth. The G7 is also an informal chat session for these world leaders, and of course, the Olympics came up. Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe told other leaders he hopes to proceed with the Games in Tokyo in August. President Trump wished him luck with that. So do we all. I'm Dr. Rebecca Grant for Fox News. You have been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to Fox News Radio's hourly newscast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, visit foxnews.com. Download and subscribe to original podcast from Fox News Radio. It's time to get caught up on what's happened and what's next. I'm Jared Halpern from Washington. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.